Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. We are Americans and we have a right to debate and disagree with any administration. Uh, 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 I'll talk. I'll talk. Didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming. I, by all indications, Jay Severn was on um, on the mend, and it looked like he'd be coming back. I had corresponded with him, and was looking forward to talk to him, talking to him again. And uh, it's, it's not going to happen now. Uh, Jay Severn Severn passed away, and uh, he had had uh, cancer for a while, and uh, so there you go. This guy, this he was such an influential guy. He was somebody who I was a fan of for a while, and then I was, I was uh, not a fan. If you're not from Boston, Jay Severn was a big talk radio guy in Boston in the '90s and the 2000s, and then went over to the Blaze, etc. And uh, but it was Jay Severn. He was beating Howie at times, Howie Carr, and then uh, it's, at some point it looked like Howie would join him. I got to eventually meet Jay and work in radio and then go and over there and meet and work with Jay. And he was a fun guy, a gregarious uh, guy, a pleasure to talk to. He was um, he was just one of the boys, really. And, uh, and, uh, at one time, the talk radio king of this town, <laughs> he was, I can't believe, now I look back and look at the things that he said and didn't. Oh, wow. He'd be in hot water a lot today. But he was in hot water a lot then, too. This is a guy who liked free speech and was not afraid to push the boundaries. Jay Severin. He he made a difference, man. He certainly, certainly, if you're a talk radio for a person, 
This is a guy who took full advantage. He said what he thought needed to be said. He was powerful. He was loud. He was um, poetic in his the way he spoke. And he's going to be missed. The talk radio pantheon. That guy, Jay Severn, is one of the titans. Okay, I just got the news uh, just, I guess, minutes ago from a friend and a, uh, a fan of um, of Jay Severin's and of my show and uh, my show, uh, of a show I had uh, with on 96.9 FM Talk in Boston, that Jay Severin has uh, passed away. It's fitting that my dogs are barking, by the way, Leslie, because, uh, you know, Jay was a big dog guy. Of course, he'd appreciate that. That's right. And uh, so covered. we're talking to, uh, to uh, Leslie Dowd, and and uh, obviously this is a shocker, you know. I mean, we all knew he was sick. I had uh, I was told that he was going to be. I was told from him that he was getting better. Uh, you know, I tried to get him on the podcast, but no. Suddenly, it, it seems like um, it seems like complications from the cancer uh, that he had. Uh, you know, he succumbed to them, and what a what a shocking day this is. Unbelievable, shocking, terrible day, and this. Um, I'm going to presume that we're on broadcast radio, so I don't want to curse. You can right? say whatever you want. You are on a podcast, and this is. Oh, okay. Yes, you can just. <laughs> All right. You're free. Uh, 2020 is a gigantic kick in the ass, and I can't believe this, Tom. And um, it was. It, it's as stunning to me as it is to you because his Twitter account. I'm recently reconnected with him in the last eight, nine months, um, via Twitter. And, um, you know, I've been hearing about his battles with that disease and whatever, but it's just seemed recently it was on the upswing. And in the last several days, he's been, um, his, he or his account have been putting out more and more tweets and it seemed great. And then all of a sudden, I got this news and what what a shit show shocker that 2020 is. And I've just literally, um, you know, I communicated with you and Michael and then I just spent the last half hour like in a fetal position weeping. Yeah, um, I can imagine. I mean, this is a guy who was he was the dominating PM drive uh, force in yeah. talk radio for for a while. And always, he was always somebody who was um, who was uh, very influential. Back to the um, to the nineties, you know. I don't know yeah. your first memories of Jay, but mine as a radio fan before I ever got into it was during impeachment. Pretty much, at first he was on RKO for a stretch, actually uh, on the AM station. And then he went over to ninety six nine when it mm-hmm. became uh, a thing, and he was gregarious. And he could be vicious at the same time, a, a wordsmith. Um, yeah. it, I mean, he was just no a no BS kind of talk host, and he got suspended uh, enough. So Many that, times. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
one of the last times. Like, like some other hosts we know. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that wasn't a precursor to the world we live in right now, by the way, or the early barometer of cancel culture. But Jay was yeah. just um, he was fearless on the air. Yeah. Um, I My memories are so vivid and I'm, j I'm just trying to glorify him on Twitter right now because I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't know Michael Graham. I wouldn't, I dare say, I wouldn't know Twitter. I wouldn't be part of the conservative movement were it not for Jay Severin. And we have, you know, back in those days, back in the 90s, Tom, um, we did have a, a rigorous, a vigorous talk radio culture on both sides of the aisle in those days. And I was just a child. I was a teenager and I was barely coming into it. And then when I got into college, certain members of my family and my mother and whoever got into Rush Limbaugh. And so, excuse me, before Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> I miss in the morning, right? And then in the later days, now here comes, of course, Howie Carr has always been there. God bless him. Let's protect Howie Carr at all costs, right? And then here comes Jay Severin, uh, like riding on the stallion. <laughs> coming in here to shake it up and bring his own beautiful brand of conservative um, politics with his different experience of not being in the media, but being in the, the, the deep state, if you will, the, in the weeds of the politics and being a political operative for many, many years. And then he came and brought in his um, very unique style, which is, you know, back in those days, now now it's sort of common, but back in those days, we're talking the late 90s, early 2000s, the, you know, IDGAF style. <laughs> and, and you can, you take me or leave me, but I'm going to tell you what I know, how I know it, because, and here's my experience. And it was very... Um, Again, I'm, so I'm talking now, I was like 23 to 25 back in those days. And it appealed mm -hmm. to me because in every show, he he peppered every show with the stories of the day, but with also trying to educate you all on civics, educate mm -hmm. us all mm -hmm. on civics. And I was completely hooked. And... um but he was also, but he, he brought it with a brand of braggadocio, <laughs> and 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 unlike you know, and and it's something that you don't see these days with folks because that that are the the hosts that we love today bring their wisdom with with a lot of humility, including one of our great friends, a lot of humility. This guy back in those days brought his wisdom with his complete confidence and cockiness <laughs> and and masculinity. Absolutely. Right? Up masculinity <laughs> didn't mind telling you uh, seriously about his escapades, like hinting mm -hmm. at his escapades back in those days. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, well, this, because I don't, you know, it's not these days. I'm like, all right, well, this sounds like a mofo that I wouldn't want to work for, but I think he knows something, right? 
<laughs> right? And it just, and yeah. you're enthralled with it. And I was enthralled with it. Um, and he taught me so much. And what he, you know, what he did further is to make me more curious, more curious about what I haven't learned about civics, what mm -hmm. I haven't learned about our country, what I haven't learned about our political discourse, what I haven't yet learned about our constitution. And he did it with so much love. And he shared occasionally over, over the further years, he shared more about his personal life, but he shared occasionally about his jobs. He had, you know, his six, Newfoundlands at any given time, <laughs> you know, yeah. six new fees at any given time. And then, and he shared when, you know, when they passed away and his heartbreak and whatever. So there were parts of his, he didn't share much about his personal life, but there were parts of his life about his heart that, that he did share. And then, you know, later on he got, he got into some syndication radio for a while and then he went to um, Glenn, Ble Glenn mm -hmm. Beck's The Blaze for a little while. And then he just sort of disappeared out of public space. And it was amazing um, for me to find him again, for him to resurface in the last year um, on Twitter and try to resurface and to do some podcasts um, on his own. And he was he, he became real humble. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he became real humble on Twitter and realizing that he um doesn't know anything about the technology. Now he has nobody behind him um and nobody, you know, financing him and he got some um help, techn technological help from fans to start doing his own podcast and whatever. And then, then he started um, tweeting about his, his health challenges and what my um, it's my great joy um, and gratitude to have been able to connect with him in these later days while he's been on Twitter, because he's just been such a gigantic hero. Right. And, in in my life and it's and it's humbling to me to be able to have had some phone conversations with him and some tweets with him and when i direct message this hero and again i and i put this on twitter like i'm like look look people around the country you don't understand to for what what rush limbaugh mm. is to you all jay severin is to me and to many of us in new england so i'm so grateful and humbled that I've been able to just have a little bit of more of a one-to-one -one connection with this person that has, has effectively changed my life. Yeah. And has, I guarantee has changed a lot of lives of a lot of people in New England, whether they were conservatives before, conservatives now. He's an absolute hero and I'm, and I'm devastated. And Tom, if I just, I just want to finish my little eulogy, um, my little impromptu eulogy to say, here, here's the big deal. Many, many, many years ago, and I don't remember the year, but I dare say it was around 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. um, no, it had to be earlier. It was probably early 2004. My brother, who, as you know, is in the local radio music broadcast business, it was my birthday that day. 
And he said, let, and he called me. He said, and he called me and texted me. He said, Leslie, get ready to answer your phone at you know, whatever, at such and such time, 11 a.m. Uh, tomorrow. Okay. He's like, it's part, it's your birthday. It's your birthday present. Just make sure whatever you're doing, get ready to answer your phone. I'm like, okay. And I was doing whatever. And I answered my phone. And when the phone call came in, hello, is this Leslie? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. This is Jay Severin. (laughs) And I said, and I I have a little larynx. I said, oh my God, what is happening? because the in that year the like the most unbelievable glorious birthday present i could get from one of my brothers is a phone call from direct phone call from this superstar of course and if people are listening from the other parts of the country and they don't know who jay is um jay was on the fm station an fm talker which was really the first fm talker that wasn't npr and his show was full of heavy metal. It was it was loud. It was um it was you know sharp and strong. Like we said, Jay was unfiltered. He was so un PC. He wasn't a shock jock by any means, but no. he was he was going to sp- speak with no. There was no buffer of comfort and warmth necessarily, unless he wanted there to be. Um, and he was just he was just. So many younger people. I mean, as John Stewart was was drafting people to yeah. the left, Jay Severin was drafting people to the right. Yeah. Um, and you know, so this is. I just want to read you a little bit of my message to him. This is uh Please. June nineteenth. I had asked him if he'd come to my podcast. He says, "Greetings, Tomo." Already, it sounds like <laughs> already it sounds like Jay Severin. Great yeah. to hear from you. I'm appreciative of your invitation, but fear I must say no. I am arranged to do a weekly podcast for Todd, who's his co-host. But I've been unable to do so as my voice heals from the surgery. It would be foolish of me not to mention wrong to appear on someone else's broadcast when I'm unable to appear on my own. I plan to resume my broadcast for Todd in two weeks. If then you wish me to appear, and Todd is okay with the idea, I'd be delighted uh, to to appear any time you wish to have me. As I say, I plan to be flapping my gums by mid-July. Sadly, that's not going to happen. So do ask me again, would you, old man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jay is that? He says it is wonderful to hear from you. Very truly yours, Jay Severin. And uh, and then I uh, I I mentioned that um, I I I had heard about his health wo- woes, etc. And mm-hmm. it's good to hear him working. He said, "Dear Tom, talk about timing. Imagine the medicinal effects of such a gallant message." I look forward to the cooperative project you mentioned. <laughs> Always super wordy, of course. Proper, look- proper and wordy, right? Y- yes. I look forward to the cooperative pro- project you mentioned, and as always, look forward greatly to any opportunity to be cheated up with one of my buddies from the old stamping grounds, Jay. <laughs> the old stamping grounds, right. So great. I mean, he was so funny. So the first time I met him, I hadn't met him until a couple of years. I started in 2008 at that station, and so I, yeah. he was doing his show from home. So I hadn't met him, and then in like 2009 or 2000. Mm-hmm nine maybe they they called a all employee meeting maybe there was a new general manager or whatever and so jay was going to show up to this meeting and i was very <laughs> intimidated because i i could only hear him you know through the board t- yeah. barking down really to the, the producer and he you, i only hear him asking for for um for bump music from his producer and he'd do it very quickly jay would say uh dr parker remember his his 
producer oh, was Dr. Parker. He'd say, Doctor. Dr. Parker. He'd yeah. say, Doctor, I want, I want, um, um, I want bumps three, 18, 94, 83, 17, 60. And I'd be like, oh my God, imagine. With, a, having... with a hard T. Yes, the 19, hard... 18, 73. Like, wow. And actually, I one time Parker got sick or something. And I had to run Jay's show and I was very intimidated. <laughs> and I remember he, want, he said, uh, I said, uh, Jay, what would you like me to come in for bumper music? And he said, play the hardest thing you have. So we're already, you know, I was terrible at running the board anyway. So we're already. I don't know that. Whatever you say. We're coming back in from break and it's, I, I can't find his bumper music quick enough. So I just, the liner is ending. It's about to be dead air. So I just grab whatever I can and freaking, it was a Huey Lewis song. It's like, God, uh, damn, that's not power that it, it, not even. It was like happy to be stuck with you. <laughs> it was the most wimpy thing I could find. <laughs> Thankfully, he didn't roast me for it. He just he was he was fine. But I, so then I, I met him when he came in for that meeting. I offered to hang his coat up, and of course his coat was like a white fur coat. It was like the most awesome <laughs> thing in the world. Pam. Oh, Pam. oh, totally, oh, yeah. totally. Or, and then he started to talk about how he was. A... Oh God! So then he Baller. started coming in. Baller. Yeah, he started coming in. And um, he'd hang out with me before, um, during the Graham show, leading up to his show. And he'd just shoot the breeze. It was like a guy named Jimmy Severin that you'd been, that you'd been like drinking with, hanging out with for years. How you doing? You see the, the Bruins game. You love the Bruins, this and that. You know, uh, back then I was single and he was always happy to talk about young lady, uh, uh, women. So we, we would choose. Yeah, escapades, right? Right, right. right, right. So we'd, we'd talk guy stuff. Uh, and he was just such a normal, uh, like fun guy with a very funny sense of humor. It's funny because sometimes it seemed like he's the dark Sith Lord Severn, you know, but or at least that's the image I had before I'd met him. But he was a guy with a smile on his face. You know, this was a just a mm-hmm. just a dude who would hang out anytime. Um, in God, I can, can I tell you one yep. quick story about the about the, the the Lothario side of him? Yes, right. Um, because he again is always bragged about his history, and and again, it's wild to to learn the later the older he gets and the later he goes the more he starts to talk about his family, his mm-hmm. beloved wife, his child. And there's, there are some real, um, there was some real stuff in his podcast in the last year <laughs> about the decisions that he and his wife had to make to make sure that their daughter um, had a good education and escaped the kind of the bullshit of the lefty indoctrination. There's some real stuff he said mm. on his podcast. And again, for me, it's a wild contrast to how he used to talk um, in in those old days. But one thing that I learned, you know, because I was single, never married, whatever, in the, the old days that I used to listen to Jay. But one thing I never, ever, ever forgot is when he spent a cool five minutes on his pod, on his show explaining how you kiss a woman's hand (laughs) how you don't you don't you don't bend down to kiss i I don't even remember anymore i don't know you you don't bring the woman's hand up to your mouth to kiss it you bend down to kiss the woman's hand 
And this is the this is the kind of stuff that Jay used to pepper <laughs> his podcast with to like how to be a smooth mother chachima. <laughs> I never forgot that. Yeah, no, 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 definitely. He, I think, and I think that he had that thing where his, and I don't want to call it, it sexism, but his, it is, um, because he wasn't because he was he was a chivalrous guy. He loved women, <laughs> but. Where, Lothario, where there's, I think, yes, I, just, I guess I you're right. So there's out of my butt, Lothario. For, that's what he was. Exactly. So he had the way with words that, that, you know, that women found cute. Had, if I tried to say the same thing, I wouldn't get away with it. You know, you know well, I don't know. Well, you you have 18 kids, so it doesn't matter. Yes. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you have 18. We know. We know, honey. <laughs> but no, it's like the Lothario, and as again, as I'm saying, um. It's like you can't, I don't think, and I actually, Tom, as he came back on Twitter, I actually tried to advise him about this. I'm like, hey man, lovely to see you. Um, I loved your show in the 90s. You might need to change it up and tailor it for the audience these days. And we had quite a bit of back and forth on that. Hmm. That's interesting, yeah. I yeah. mean, um, <laughs> yeah, because he disembarked really from from a big platform right when everything started to change, and of course he was canceled like everybody else was canceled, like we were. Graham was canceled, and, and you know, but he he was not out and about for the 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 change, the the cultural stuff, mm-hmm. which is funny, Leslie, because. We're speaking to Leslie Dowden. She is a, a wonderful woman with many talents who's going to be a correspondent in a couple of days at the Trump rally, I hope. Yeah. Uh, um, but, I uh, hope so, too. But uh, you know what the thing is, Leslie, is like what time ever in history do we need him more than now? Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a guy who uh, you you need strong voices now more than ever. And there are only a few left, it seems like. He strong and subversive voices, a counterculture. Yep. Like, like a, a, can you imagine that now we're the counterculture? Yeah. We're the counterculture. Go figure. <laughs> you know? It's crazy. And yeah. Jay Severin was, what, was indeed the counterculture. And he, um, and he, was, he was fearless, as you said. Mm. He was fearless. Just saying, I mean, it's, come on, I don't want to cry, but he he was fond of saying how he was the president of his fifth grade civics class. Hmm. Yes, and always taking- All the time, he was the president of his fifth grade civics class, and he just approached everything fearless. I don't know why. I mean, and he came to he came to us later in life, dude. I heard that he was. I learned that he was sixty nine. He's sixty nine he really? years old. Wow, I didn't. Even, I, th- I, had no idea. I figured he was like 60, 65. I figured yeah. he was sixty five, sixty nine years old, right? <laughs> I had no idea. And, <laughs> I... and 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 he came. I don't know how he came into radio. I don't know how mm. he moved from political consultancy into radio. Maybe maybe he burned out. Maybe he was too much for them. I don't know. But it's a you know it's a big gift to us. Um, that that he came to us, but he came fearless to say, no. Number one, I have something to say about current events. 
Number two, here's my creds and I'm going to tell you about my history. And number three, here's my creds. I'm going to do it with my own style and my own personality. And if you don't want me, if you don't like it, cancel me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just a couple of quick personal things. I um, Jay was uh, in the station when I told him that um, I'd had a daughter and he was he absolutely melted. And he said to sing to her. I think it was something. Something very vanilla, like uh, mm-hmm. sing, go to good night, sleep twi- tight, or something, something, something okay. like that. Um, another <laughs> great <laughs> memory I have is we did a live show in the in the downtown Boston in the theater district somewhere. Yeah, um, where all the hosts got up there and did something. <laughs> Jay, of course, wore a white like tuxedo and had his uh, like silver and pearl handled pistol visible. <laughs> What? <laughs> Open carry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It's classic. And he gave people a show, too. A show that was, man, talk about could have got you canceled, but that guy delivered. So, anyway, condolences, if, Leslie. If, if you, can, I, can I just say yeah, one yeah. more thing yeah. about Jay? Because here, here's what. Here's what shocked me. I've seen him two or three. I In those days, I saw him two or three times in public. This grand personality um, is not who you see in person. Who Jay always was is a very, quite, very small, super fit because he loved to tell us all about all his fitness, going to Iceland and mm-hmm. the rock climbing and the mountain climbing, right? In Iceland, super fit, but a very small and slight man um, who had a face for radio <laughs> as they say he had a face for radio and so in his and i and that's okay too that's okay too because the his aura that he built around himself yes is is beyond beyond his his physical person it's beyond it Right, and he's one of those guys who had just tons of confidence. So he was like, he had the Sinatra thing going a little bit, you know. <laughs> there you go, Sinatra. And he deserved it. He earned it, he worked for it, and he deserved it. Yeah, and always talking about the best and brightest, which I had talked to a lot of hosts. A lot and of hosts. he's the first, the, fir- the first one in my life, and, you know, God bless Rush. God bless Rush, mm-hmm. and God, please, God protect Rush Limbaugh. But... Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Severin is my Rush Limbaugh and Rush, Rush, I don't know that Rush has ever complimented, built up his radio audience in the way that Jay Severin does. Has. No, you're right. It was a different thing. It was a different approach completely. You were taking a journey with Jay. Yeah. You were learning from him, but you were journeying with him. He was more with of him. a, yeah, yeah. He was definitely more of a, uh. A, 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 almost cleric to the to the listeners. All right, Leslie. I know this is a tough night for you, and it's uh, it's unbelievable to me. I just I didn't see it coming. This is a this is a guy who should be remembered. He was uh, <laughs> not afraid to get in trouble, not afraid to speak, mm-hmm. uh, you know, truth and speak uh, starkly at a time when we needed it. Of course, we need more of that now. Hopefully, he inspired somebody to, to do it. I'm sorry. One of his greatest legacies is that he ushered in Michael Graham and yourself into Boston Talk Radio and into our lives. That's one of the one of the biggest things that I'm grateful to Jay for. Well, is that's... that is that you all you all follow him. 
Well, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Um, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, we, yeah. I mean, he was also the tentpole of the station as well. So, yeah. All right, Leslie Dowd, get through the night. Uh, good luck. Um, you know, Jay would say Excelsior and um, take Excelsior. care. Excelsior. All right, take care, Leslie. All right, thank you, Tom. Bye bye. All right, uh, we'll bring in Michael Graham here, who uh, certainly, probably without Jay Severin, I don't think uh, we would have uh, hooked up in the professional sense, by the way. Um, <laughs> we would definitely have hooked up in the other sense, yes. though, anyway. Yes, absolutely. we were hanging out the same bars, Absol- let's face it. Absolutely. You know? So tell me just quickly, I know you're, you're slammed with deadlines. Well, so, I mean, you know, it's so interesting to uh, – I got the word early in the day uh, from a mutual acquaintance that uh, Severin had passed away, and it wasn't public, and so I didn't want to be the guy to, to break the news, uh, quite frankly, because I'm really – kind of an outlier with Severin when it comes to uh, Boston area conservatives. People think that because I took over his slot that I must have known his work. It's the opposite. He was, I, I, I was in DC. I had been in a little trouble. And this is a phrase, Tom Shattuck, that you have known to associate with me extremely frequently. I was fired from a radio gig and uh, looking for another gig. And this was back in the day when radio was booming. And so when you got fired, you actually moved up a few runs. <laughs> and uh, I had uh, a lot of gracious offers from a lot of gracious radio stations. But when I came to Boston, I just fell in love with Boston and I wanted to be here. And as I said at the time, it's one of the few places in America where it still matters where you are. Most of America, Charlotte, Minneapolis, you know, San Diego, it's basically a mall with a mayor. But when you're <laughs> in Boston, you're in a place. And uh, so Severin had decided to do a national show and he was giving up his afternoon drive slot and I happened to be available and uh, had a meeting with management and I ended up taking a slot. So I'd never heard Severin do talk radio ever. And so I did my thing. And then after about a year, he decided he wanted to come back to a slot. And so that's when I started my migration around the day parts on WTKK that eventually caused me to fall in with bad company, namely the great and powerful Tom. Yes. So, um, you know, it's funny because a lot of people don't know that essentially Jay was remote most of the time, except for the last yeah. couple of years where he was local. But I always thought there was a specter around him, um, you know, of being this exalted, uh, you know, quiet, maybe almost a nefarious right. aura fella. But in person, he was just a, a nice, warm guy. I always felt he was very. um he took up a lot less space in reality than he did in your imagination. You know, when he walked into a room, you really didn't notice him that much. He was not, a, you know, unlike certain other people who are in this conversation who aren't you. And, you know, so he, he was very mellow, very, you know, low demands as far as, you know, when we did public appearances and whatnot. He was, he was very easy to get along with. And that wasn't uh, that wasn't an issue. What was fascinating to me is the number of people who say I became a conservative listening to Jay Severin. Mm-hmm. And I always found that interesting because I came into radio kind of through the back door. I'd been doing political consulting first and, and I was living at the time down South in a place where most people, even Democrats were fairly conservative. And after about the 10th time someone said it to me, I said, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I get it. Here in New England, surrounded by a media establishment, an academic establishment, and a cultural establishment that demands that you be of the left, these people were saying, what a miracle it was that Jay Severin was able to guide me toward the right. And that's a legacy of Severin's, his civics lesson on the air that no nobody can take away from him ever. 
Yeah, and I think another thing, just as far as talk radio permeating into newer and younger audiences, is that it was a booming FM signal. And yep. Severin used every piece of it. He used he liked mm-hmm. big heavy metal music, stuff that would take the entire v- v- spectrum up. Mm-hmm. He made the show so it was sharp and segmented, and and it, so for a lot of people it was shocking because you could hear Rush somewhere, or you could hear other radio, especially if you're mm-hmm. in the boonies where it fades in and out at night. But this was in your face, and I think he knew that, and he made sure that he that he used that, and I think mm-hmm. it also it added to his projection that he was indeed um you know almost giving a a come along lecture as an authority authority figure mm-hmm. to his audience you felt like when you're listening to severin that he was a guy that if your smartest liberal friend got in an argument with him severin would beat his brains out and when you're surrounded by people who are constantly telling you that there's something wrong with you simply for being a non-liberal that reassurance was tremendous And so Severin had done all this work and I was able to play once I got to Boston because instead of having to be the class, you know, uh, leader and the civics teacher, I was able to be the class clown and basically screw with everybody because Severin had done the hard civics class lifting. Yeah, and he was also very good. I remember the uh, crossovers. You could toy with him. And he'd go yeah. along with it. This was not a guy who would call a program director off air and say, make sure during the crossover that, I, <laughs> that we've had people remember. I who- can't imagine who you might be talking about, Shattuck. I cannot imagine who that is. I just want to say on the record as a lifelong talk radio fan that at, at its peak with uh, Imus and me and Marjorie and Jim and uh, Severin, that TKK was the best talk radio station in America, period. I'll put that up against any station, anytime. There's some good ones. Yep. KFI in LA was a great radio, a great talk radio station, uh, uh, Atlanta, WSB, but do, pound for pound, call for call, topic for topic. What was great about TKK is that you could leave it on and throughout the day, you would get different takes on the same topics. That's what made it so fascinating. Yes. So you had, you know, Imus had the kind of curmudgeon populist take and Jim and Marjorie had the communist slash, you know, not quite communist take. And then I had the idiot, you know, typical conservative take. And then Severin had his wild, you know, Severin mix of pseudo libertarian hedonism take. And it was never, it was, there was no repeating. It was not what I'm, and I don't want to be mean to people talk radio now, but man, it is hard to listen to the same stuff over and over again. Same topic, same take, same view. That is not what we had at TKK. And Jay Severin, who people forget, started as a talk host on a smooth jazz station. <laughs> this day was still doing smooth <laughs> jazz when, when Severin started. Uh, he helped create the best talk radio station in America. Yeah, not only that, but I would say that one, in people who aren't radio won't know this, this it was one of the very few lineups where most of the hosts don't hate each other. And two, the hosts listened throughout the day because people would reference each other's shows throughout yeah, exactly, the day. Yeah. And Jay, Jay would reference our show. He'd always want the sound mm-hmm. that we would play and you know, he, he appreciated all sorts of stuff. So it it really it was a, a damn good outfit at that point. And then then the personal people meter came in and people can Google that uh, what that is. Um so listen, uh, neither of us know Jay's daughter, and or, or not, not too many of us got real close to him. Right. But if you had a couple of things to say, it, if you were at the 
service, whatever, and a couple of just notes about like her dad, who, in your mind, who is what's memorable? What would you pass along? Well, I uh, went out to his legendary home at Manchester by the Sea once for a little family gathering. Hmm. And uh, what struck me was what a gracious host he was. I mean, almost to the point of excess, which, you know, people's, oh, Severin, that jerk that, you know, he called people names, whatever. And absolutely, mm-hmm. on the radio, he did a show. It was truly a show. But the guy that that uh, greeted my family and I uh, and me, I don't want to get the grammar wrong. Severin's ghost will haunt me. <laughs> um, he was so gracious and so kind. You know, I, 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 don't, I didn't do the same flavor of conservatism that Severin did. We were, you know, but different flavors and, that, and which made the station, I think, better. Um, but we never that was never an issue. We never had a, a conflict over. I don't see the sins the ways you see them or you you know, criticize what I said. I criticize what you said they, it wasn't there. And so for people who wanted to have a fight with Severin, he was more than happy to throw down and fight. But for people who just wanted to get along and you know, observe the passing scene, uh, it, he, he was uh, utterly gracious to me. And he gave me the greatest gift if he had not taken that national gig. The afternoon slot would not have been open, and I would never have found my home, which is New England. As soon as I got here, I knew I wanted to be here. And as you know, after TKK went away, mm-hmm. I had to do some stuff. And one of the things I did is I took a job down in, in Atlanta for a couple of years on a radio station. And all I learned from being in Atlanta for two years was how much I wanted to get back to New England. So the only way New England's going to get rid of me is A, arresting me, which they tried, <laughs> and B, carrying me out in a pine box. I found my home, and I will always be thankful to Jay Severin for making that happen. So Jay is to blame for burdening New England with my Blame Severin, absolutely. Blame Severin. <laughs> it's all his fault that I'm here and you're stuck with me. Well, I was always pleased at how he would, when we would do the Fisher House uh, fundraisers, yes. how Jay was all in no matter what. He went in uh, you know, feet first, and he was always happy to... Uh, to passionately try to continue to raise money, he was a he was a fun and good guy, and um, a, a a guy who you know you need more Severns right about now. Of course, both you and Severn would be triple canceled and fired, you know, <laughs> immediately if not executed if you were here. But uh, <laughs> but uh, man, what a ride it was with Jay. It was good to know him, and uh, thanks for jumping on and uh, saying a few words about him. And I want to leave the haters in Boston with this idea. Do you really think that the conversation in New England, in greater Boston is more interesting today than it was in 2010, 2012? Mm. Do you really think it's more enlightening, more worthwhile, more, do you really think that having the monotonous monotone of intellectual uh, conformity that we get from GBH and BUR and the local crap television stations. Do you really think that's better than the interplay of ideas and opinions and observations that once existed in part, thanks to Jay Severin? Yeah. Severin says stuff. Sometimes that was, uh, some people thought it was offensive. Some people didn't like it, whatever. Some people, some of the stuff he said, I never would have said, I just didn't agree with it and I wouldn't have said it, but who cares? I was fascinated by the fact that the conversation was happening. Yes. So just ask yourself, is this, this, this moment where a statue honoring the end of slavery has to go down because stupid people don't know how to look at it, is a better conversation than the one we had 10 years ago when people like Jay Severin and, to their credit, Jim Browdy, Marjorie Eden, et cetera, mm-hmm. all assumed that you weren't stupid 
and that you could hear ideas you didn't agree with and understand them and move along. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. All right. Get back to work. Thank you. Bye. So that is not the show that I had planned uh, from earlier today. We'll get back to normal tomorrow, but it is a historic day, certainly in talk radio, and uh, I just wanted to you know, take a moment out to, um, to uh, acknowledge just a, a, a superstar in talk radio and a guy who took communication to a new level and harnessed the FM signal. And was a nice guy. I know he got in a lot of deep kimchi, so is everybody else. But I got to know him a little bit just, uh, you know, around the office, and I enjoyed my time with him. And um, and it sucks that he's gone because we need more people who are taking advantage of freedom of speech and who aren't willing to, who aren't afraid to push it sometimes when it needs to be pushed. And that absolutely was Jay Severin. If, uh, you know, if Jay Severin's daughter ever listens to this podcast, I just uh, let her know that, uh, sorry for the loss of your dad. He was quite an influential guy. He changed a lot of lives. He was was a nice guy to know and talk to. And um, best to you and your family. Excelsior to Jay Severin. All of you guys who counted yourselves amongst the best and brightest, as Jay would, uh, Jay would say it. Um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll pour a drink for Jay tonight and for the uh, memory of that. When, when talk radio was alive and well, <laughs> little did we know things would change so much. But uh, cheers, Jay. Thank you. The problem is that the New York Times has gotten itself in the business of condemning people for what they think we think. And that is the most anti-American thing that could ever be. We're not held responsible for what people think we think or claim that we think. We're responsible for what we say. No one knows what you believe or I believe. We're responsible for what we say and do. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.